Friends, good morning. My name is James, one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege this morning to turn with you to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, we're spending a second week in this text. As we consider how we can make eternal friends. Let's read Mark chapter 2 starting in verse 1 through to the end of verse 12. If you have a pew Bible there, you'll find this on page 837. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Father, we do ask that you would be with us now as we come to reflect upon this section of your word. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, do a work in our hearts just now that shakes us out of the ordinary, out of the routine, and enables us to focus our eyes on Jesus and even on eternity. These things we ask in his perfect name. Amen. Well, last week we began to think about how we can make eternal friends from Mark chapter 2. And I think the reality is that for many of us, for many Christians, a few topics make us feel guiltier than evangelism. Um, Maybe tithing, perhaps, um, or how much we pray. It's a fun game, isn't it, to list off all the things we feel bad about. For many of us, though, evangelism is on that long list of things we know we should do, but don't. Exercise more. Eat healthier. Get more sleep. Spend less time online. Clean out the fridge. Share the gospel. (laughs) Sounds like the worst day ever, right? Um, In this day, though, and in this culture, how do we go about sharing our faith? And not in a way that's guilt-ridden, but in a way that's gospel-driven. How do we share the grace we've received and thus make eternal friends? Well, this week I want to share six reflections to help us in this task. And I'll phrase them as six shifts we need to make as we set about this work. 
So let's look at Mark 2, Jesus, the paralyzed man, the greatest community group of all time, and to see if we can't glean some nuggets that will help us make eternal friends. Shift one, when it comes to evangelism, we need a change in our thinking, a shift that takes us from understanding evangelism from a luxury into a necessity, from luxury to necessity. Last week we said that Jesus is the hero of the story. We said that Jesus is the hero of every story. But after him, the most beautiful thing in this text is friendship. Our community group who brought their friend to Jesus who did the rest. Now we understand that the paralyzed man was paralyzed. He couldn't get to Jesus without help. His forgiveness and his healing were completely dependent upon him being brought by someone else. And likewise, we must understand that there are people in our lives who can't make it to Jesus alone. Their forgiveness, their healing is completely dependent on being carried by us to him. You know, it took several people to carry me to Jesus. I was like this paralyzed man. What One man couldn't do it, okay? We needed a group. We needed a village. Um, my parents, my pastor, some friends, several other key influencers. My second birth required a lot of midwives. And if it weren't for them, we're, I don't know where I'd be today. Lost in life, but even lost for eternity. I couldn't make it to Jesus without help. No one can. So evangelism isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. If we want our friends, our neighbors, our culture to know Christ, and surely we do. Surely we, surely we do. Well, if we want them to so know Christ, evangelism is not a luxury, it's a necessity. God has people in this city, and he will save them when we bring them to him. He has ordained that he will save them through us. Our theology makes us more determined to reach the lost. We believe he will save his own when we bring them to him first. The command is clear. The stakes are eternal and there are people in your life for whom you are the only connection to Jesus. You're the only person who might be able to carry them to him. So we determine to be carriers from luxury to necessity, knowing it's something that we'll never regret. Shift one, luxury to necessity. Shift two, though, and very importantly to me at least on the heels of that first point, is that we also need to make a shift from understanding evangelism uh, for, from easy to hard. Uh, too often I hear preachers talk about this as if saying it's really important is all that needs to be said. So from luxury to necessity, amen, let's go home early. Right? Well, it's not that easy. <laughs> Evangelism can be difficult. Lots of things are necessary, but that doesn't make it easy. And carrying people to Jesus can be hard. And surely our community group in this text are a great case study in that reality. As I thought about them, I wondered, at what point would I have given up? Perhaps I'd have given up before I even started, knowing it was impossible for a paralytic to be healed. Perhaps I'd given up when I realized how far we had to carry him. 
Perhaps I'd have given up when we arrived and the house was full. Perhaps I'd have given up when my friend came up with this crazy idea that we were going to bust a hole through the roof. Uh, Perhaps I'd have given up when I realized there were powerful people in that room and my reputation might be harmed. There were so many opportunities. Weren't there so many opportunities for these guys to say, "Uh, I don't think the time is right. Let's take him another day. Let's take him another day. We need to give give ourselves permission to say, evangelism isn't easy. It can be really hard. And to say out loud, what are some of those things that stop, stop us from sharing our faith? Maybe it is that we don't know what to say. Maybe it's that Christianity has a bad reputation for some of our friends. Uh, the legalists and the homophobes and the Pharisees have poisoned the well, and so now we feel awkward talking about our faith with them. And maybe we're worried about what people will think of us if we speak up for Christ. Very often, it's just a vague generic fear that, that I find, you know, this vague sense that it's just not going to go well. What are these obstacles you find that, that stop you from sharing your faith? There are all kinds of reasons to feel uncertain, to feel awkward, to feel embarrassed. I'm sure our community group did too. And if you find this topic difficult, there's nothing wrong with you. This, this, is, this is normal. But I'll tell you something else. Our community group would never have regretted carrying their friend to Jesus. I bet even now they're laughing in heaven, saying, can you look at these McLean people? They're still talking about what we did. Can you believe it? What a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord that he enabled us to get over ourselves and over our fears in order to bring our friend. And that's what we want to do. We want to wrestle with the things that we find hard. Don't feel like it has to go unspoken like we're some terrible Christian for having doubts or fears. Talk about these things. Talk about these things together that we might overcome these obstacles so that we too might not just live lives without regret but might have stories of our own to laugh about in heaven. From luxury to necessity, from easy to hard. Third shift, I think we see in our text, probably by implication, is a shift we need to make from strangers to friends. When it comes to doing evangelism, we need to make a shift from thinking of doing it with strangers to doing it with friends. Now, the text doesn't actually explicitly say this, but I think it's a reasonable guess that the day our community group carried this man was, was not the first day they'd ever met. This wasn't their introduction. I don't think they'd been going door to door, happened upon this man, and said, hey, we should take this guy to Jesus. When we read the text, we get the sense that he was no stranger but a friend. And that highlights a shift we need to make from reaching out to strangers to engaging with our friends. In our culture, in our day, we see very little fruit from kind of old school door to door type of evangelism. Now hear me. I'm not saying it never worked. I'm not saying it doesn't sometimes work still. I'm just saying here in our context, it's no longer very effective. Instead, we seek to share our lives with people who are true friends. We share our interests. We share our passions. We share coffee. We share lunch. We share our favorite books and our favorite projects. And through it all, as it comes up, we share Jesus with them as well. Not because we're forcing it upon them, but because we're not trying to hide it 
either we're glad to share all that we are, which means eventually we share about our Lord. You don't have to be friends with me for long to know that I love CrossFit, I love Chipotle, and I love good cigars. And you shouldn't have to be friends with me for too long to know that I also love our Lord. Not because it's the first thing I bring up every time we talk, but because if we're friends in the course of life, it's going to naturally come up. And so the best form of evangelism is no longer door to door. The best form of evangelism is friendship where you share all that you are. Let's not get so busy. So busy with life. Also, let's not get so busy with church that we're not investing in friendships with those who don't know the Lord. When it comes to evangelizing, the best thing you can do is make friends, then live life without pretending. And isn't that the kind of life we want to live? Where we're the same person, whether you meet us on a Sunday or a Monday? Where the things that we're excited about, the things that we're passionate about, end up naturally coming up. Be yourself, and you'll find you're carrying your friends as you go. From luxury to necessity, from easy to hard, from strangers to friends. Shift four that we need to make when it comes to evangelism is really the other side of the coin from shift three. And that's the shift we need to make from uh, what I've called cause to care. Uh, The other side of the coin from cause to care. We share our lives with our friends and we genuinely care about them too. Our community group models this for us. I don't think he was just a project for them. I don't think he was just a cause for them. I think they genuinely wanted to help. They weren't reaching out just to make themselves feel good. They were reaching out because they cared about their friend. And so it is for us. We need to be building friendships, not just so that with, with those who don't know the Lord, not just so we can feel better about ourselves, but because we really care about them. Because here's a fact. Our friends may not be paralyzed, But everyone has something. Everyone has a mat. I'm friends with a guy who's uh, over six feet tall and he's just totally jacked, okay? He's got muscles on top of his muscles. Uh, He's a really hard dude to work out with, okay? And one day I said to him, hey, have you always been big, right? And he said, no. And then he went on to tell me that when he was 15 years old, he was attacked by a group of kids, a group of kids he didn't know, and beaten up so badly that he had spent six weeks in hospital. And when he got out, he started to work out, vowing that this was never going to happen to him again. And then he said, though he knows he's big, he often still feels small. As we were talking, a young mum standing beside us piped in that she herself was bullied at school. They called her ugly, they called her fat. And she told me then that though she's happily married, though she's now fully grown, when she remembers these things, they still feel true. So these, see my two friends here? These are scars I didn't know about. And these are wounds that Jesus alone can heal. And if I don't take the time to know my friends, then I don't know how to them I can make the gospel real. I don't know how I can explain why the gospel is good news for them. For them 
personally, specifically, with the mats that they carry, because we're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to love our friends. And if we're to do this, we need to understand how Jesus would make them well. Everyone has something. Everyone has a mat. We share the difference that Jesus has made to us, and we give them hope for the things that they're struggling with themselves. Not to win an argument, not to make a point, but because we care about them and we believe that Jesus can help. Don't treat people like a cause. Genuinely care. Luxury to necessity, easy to hard, strangers to friends, cause to care. Fifth, we're closing in. From Lone Ranger to community. What do I mean by this? From Lone Ranger to community. Well, I think there's something instructive for us in the fact that it took four men to carry their friend to Jesus. It's by way of example, for for sure. But the load was too great for any one of them to bear. And so they each grabbed a corner and together they took him there. And no doubt, I have no doubt, they encouraged each other other along the way. You know, it was one of their ideas to to take him. One of them said, "We're, we're nearly there when the going got tough. One of them came up with the idea to go through the roof. One of them chimed in that, yeah, let, let, let's do this. Let's make the most of this opportunity. Together, they brought their friend to Jesus. And I think there's something helpful for us there because if evangelism happens through friendship, then what we really need um, isn't just more training. It's not like we can just do a seminar one Saturday, uh, teach you the rules, give you the tools, and send you out to save some souls. It's more complicated than that. It's more complicated than that. Evangelism is no longer something you just figure out how to do. Instead, we're always learning as we go. And to learn as we go, we need community. Away from a Lone Ranger mindset, we need community. We need friends who hold us accountable for sharing our faith. We need friends who will pray for us and for those that we're, we're talking with. We need friends that we can brainstorm with when we get hit those obstacles or get asked those questions and we just don't know what to say. Uh, we also need friends who will laugh with us when things go horribly. You know, I have, I have more failure stories than success stories when it comes to evangelism. And so I'm really trying to take myself less seriously and take Jesus more seriously. And you need friends who will laugh with you to, remember that you can, to remind you that you can laugh at yourself as well. And wouldn't it be great for our church if our community groups became these kind of places places where we did hold one another accountable but places where we were also able to brainstorm and pray for courage and humility and listen and and laugh along the way I think the greatest community group of all time shouldn't just be a story for us it can also be something of a model a model that shows us that we can move from Lone Ranger to community Okay, last one, sixth and final shift. Luxury to necessity, easy to hard, strangers to friends, cause to care, lone ranger to community. And finally, the hardest one, the shift we need to make from fear to faith. Fear to faith. Verse 5 is the pivotal verse in our text. 
Um, remember the story. Our friends bust a hole in the roof. They lower their friend uh, right into the middle of the room. Jesus' sermon is interrupted when he's only halfway through point one. All eyes look to him, wondering how he'll respond. Will he have an angry look, a word of rebuke? But instead, he doesn't look the least bit flustered. He doesn't even seem a wee bit annoyed. Everyone else sees the dust. Everyone else sees the interruptions. But Jesus, verse 5, sees faith. Because he doesn't judge a situation or a soul by its cover. He looks past the things that we see, past the physical to eternity. He sees their faith. And isn't that beautiful? Because I have no doubt he could have seen some other things in these guys. He could have seen some worry. He could have seen some anxiety. He could have seen some fears. Of course those things were there. But Jesus instead chose to focus on what else was there. Their faith. They believed that Jesus could help. And it wasn't that they weren't afraid. It's that their fear was overwhelmed by their faith. Fear was overwhelmed by faith and Jesus saw it. And this, I think, is the hardest thing for us. I think this is my problem and I suspect it's your problem too. To believe that Jesus is enough. And if you bring your loved ones to him, he really will help. That Jesus is enough and he really will help. Our greatest need this morning is to be re-enchanted by his grace. To believe that Jesus is saving people and that all we need is, is him. That as he saved us, he's saving others. We just need to bring them to him. You know, when we think of evangelism, when we think of great missionaries, we think of William Carey, went to India where his son died of dysentery. Now think of Jim Elliot, who went to Ecuador, died at the end of the spear. Think of A.W. Milne, a less known one, but get his story. Uh, He was one of those famous missionaries who bought his ticket to the mission field, but only bought a single. He didn't buy a return. And knowing that every other missionary who had gone to the South Pacific had died, he packed all his earthly possessions... (laughs) in a coffin and then set off uh, to this land well there he wasn't martyred in fact he shared the gospel for over 30 years and when he died his converts buried him and they wrote these words on his tomb how good is this when he came there was no light when he left there was no darkness (laughs) how do we make sense of their lives How do we make sense of William Carey? How do we make sense of Jim Elliot? How do we make sense of the W. Mill? You know the answer? They had faith in Christ. That it? That's it. See, I think we sometimes think of these people as spiritual superheroes or some kind of different Christian breed, but actually they didn't have anything we don't have. We didn't have some secret knowledge. They didn't have access to some higher power or a power any higher than we have access to. They had the same Jesus, but in him they really believed. See, we have a tendency, do we not, to focus on the obstacles, to focus on the cynicism, to focus on the odds. But Jesus calls us to fix our eyes on nothing but himself. And when we do, when we do, then like the paralytic, our faith bursts into flame. 
This Jesus can change lives, we think. We know because he did the same for me. Fear is overwhelmed by faith in Jesus who still lives. So when it comes to evangelism, we focus first on the risen Christ. He's the center of our church. He's the very center of our lives. And when we focus on him, we end up sharing our faith because that's what you do when you walk with him. One of our pastors puts it this way. Those who are the most sold out are those who are the most bought in. Those who are the most sold out are those who are the most bought in to Jesus and his gospel. And oh, as we close, that God would use us to make a difference in this world. But more than that, to carry our friends to Jesus and the world to come. You know, one day Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Rise. And one day, he's going to say the same to us. And we'll stand in the promised land. And we'll laugh with those who have gone before and we'll laugh with those who've come after. But on that day, we could also be surrounded by our friends. Surrounded first by everyone that's here. And what a beautiful thought that is. But also surrounded by those we've carried to him. Friends that we ourselves have brought near. That's how we make eternal friends. And we have everything we need. There's enough grace to save us and all those that we love so that we'll be friends into eternity. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, as we speak of evangelism, we speak in sober tones. We don't shout and yell and whoop and holler as if this is uh, some kind of parade. We are dealing with reality. The reality of eternity that teaches us that those who do not know Christ will be separated you from you forever. And the reality too though of, of time that it's, it's not easy to share our faith. It's not easy to share the gospel. It's something that we all struggle with. And so for these reflections, Lord, luxury to necessity, easy to hard, strangers to friends, cause to care, lone ranger to community, but most of all, fear to faith, would you enable us to make these shifts so that we would be the kind of people who can laugh in heaven because we carried our friends. Take a moment, Lord, to be silent with you, be silent before you, asking you to grow our faith in Jesus Christ that we may lead these kind of lives.